This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. Thank you, worship team. Well, we've sort of sung the sermon. (laughs) So many of those songs were just the words in the songs were just, yeah. And uh, thank you for the words about the pit. That also resonates with the sermon, so thank you. Yeah, no, it's, it's just amazing. God's not finished with us yet, though. So, continuing our Um, study in Luke today and I've got Luke 14 verses 1 to 6 and uh, it's a a theme that's reoccurred in the in the in the gospels um, Jesus healing on the Sabbath and coming into contention with the Pharisees Um, but I hope to have a slightly different um, take on it today a little explore of the nature of God and his heart and love for us so let's just read it together first Now it happened as he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath that they watched him closely. And behold, there was a certain man before him who had the dropsy. And Jesus answering spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But they kept silent. And he took the man and healed him and let him go. And then he answered them saying, Which of you having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him regarding these things. Now there's five separate cases where Jesus heals someone on the Sabbath. Mark brought one for us in Luke 13, the woman with the the spine, you know, the spirit of infirmity. And so um, what God said to me is that he loves healing on Sundays. Okay, so today's a Sunday. So if you're here today and you need a little touch from God, he loves healing on a Sunday. There's no Pharisees here today, but um, we'll be, uh, we, we, we still can take part in what God wants for us today. So I want to talk a little bit about the Pharisees, because even though this doesn't directly relate to us today, um, we can always learn something from the word of God, um, even though it might not be directly spoken to us. So the Pharisees, they were so, so caught up with the ceremonial law of what things looked like on the outside. You know, they were just so concerned that everybody would do it all just right. And so much so that they actually invented lots of additional laws, lots of them, about 600 of them. So, you know, God would take a simple, God had written a simple law like keeping the Sabbath, and they'd sort of like added masses to it. So I just want to explore that for a moment because, A, it's quite enlightening. I hadn't really realised the depth of the, um, the, 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 what, how the Pharisees controlled other people's lives. Um, but, you know, just take a look at this. This is, the, this is what God said and the heart of God um, regarding the Sabbath. So we're now in Deuteronomy 5. 
God said, observe the Sabbath to keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you will labour and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you will not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or the male servant or female servant, your ox, your donkey, any of your livestock or the sojourner who is in, within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest, as well as you. So in other words, the point of the Sabbath, as Jesus said, Sabbath was made for the man, not man for the Sabbath. It isn't all to do about law-keeping. It's about resting. It's about having a day off. And God is so concerned for all members of the household, including the farm animals, that he wants everybody to rest. So what did the Pharisees do with this? Well, um, I looked up a commentary, which is useful. People are experts in things like this, and I'm not. And um, this is what I read on the internet. This is someone straight from someone's sermon archives, okay? Pharisee Sabbath restrictions. I hope you're all taking note. No writing on the Sabbath, no erasing, no tearing, no conducting any business transactions. Well, we might have thought of that one. No shopping, anyone. No Sunday shopping. No cooking. Some of us might like that one. No baking. No kindling a fire. So, got to go cold, I'm afraid. No gardening. That's a bit of a toughie for me. No laundry. That's quite a nice one. You can't carry anything more than six feet in a public place. That might might make setting up church a bit difficult. You can't move anything with your hand or even directly with a broom. So you might be thinking you can subtly shove something sideways, but nope, even that's not allowed. If you've got a broken bowl, it just has to stay there. If you don't like where the flowers are, then you have to leave them. You can't even move a candle on the table, raw food, a rock. Even if a button falls off your clothing, it has to stay on the floor. The funny thing is, is you can move your elbow, okay? So if you wanted to move the flowers, you could like... Push them slightly, okay? Or you can blow, okay? So if you wanted to, you know, sort of, I don't know, put a candle out or something, you are allowed to blow. Right, okay, that's just the partial list, okay? So um, imagine living in that society in all seriousness now. That's just the partial list for Sundays. Okay, so I don't know about you, but I'd be so scared I was going to break one of the the additional laws that um, I don't think I would have got out of bed. I think I would have spent the day in bed. It's just ridiculous. Okay, so with that backdrop, let's look at our passage in more detail. And we're going to do this a little bit differently because I've read the passage, so you've all got the proper word of God. Now we're going to do the let's do it in our imagination bit. I don't know if you ever do this with the Bible, but, you know, think about the fact, it's a bit like the chosen, isn't it? These are real people that lived in a real time, you know, and it really was dirty roads and all that sort of stuff. So let's just let our imaginations go into this story today, this account, rather not a story. So Jesus has just come out of the synagogue, okay? So he's probably come out of a dark, cold stone building, out into the light of the bright Judean sunshine. And he's gathered around him are all the scribes and the Pharisees and one chief Pharisee who said, um, you fancy coming to lunch? Nice idea. Nice to be invited out to lunch, especially an itinerant preacher. Come and have lunch with me. 
And yet, we have this interesting phrase. Jesus says they were watching him closely. Have you ever had that feeling where your every move is being (laughs) scrutinised? Well, it's not very pleasant, is it? Um, And this word, watched, is actually even worse than that because it means to secretly and insidiously observe in order to cause harm. So Jesus knew they were out to get him. So even though he's had this very so-called pleasant lunch invite on the Sabbath day, he knows they're out to get him. And sure enough, you can imagine they all go down the road and they get to the Pharisee's house and they're just crossing the door to go in and have some refreshment. And there's a man, a sick man. And Luke, who's a doctor, knows exactly what's wrong with him. He's swollen, he's got water retention, he's got the dropsy. So he's obviously ill. And the interesting thing we have here is that Jesus answers um, the Pharisees. They haven't said anything, have they? They haven't asked him anything. But the sick man sitting in the middle of the door, or wherever he was, just inside the door, just outside the door, we're not told, is like a question. They're sort of saying, what are you going to do about this one then, Jesus? Now, This actually gave me a little bit of a buzz. I hope it does to you too. Because if they wanted to catch him out, what's the best thing they could do? Give him someone to heal. (laughs) He just loves that, doesn't he? Jesus can't refuse to heal anyone. Everywhere he went, he healed everybody of everything all the time. So in order to catch him out, it was one of the safest things to do. To lay a trap for him would give him a sick person. You'll have to do that on the Sabbath. And then, of course, he'd be working, breaking all these laws. I mean, fancy, you can't even, you know, move anything and you're going to heal someone. So the Pharisees were out to catch him out. <laughs> and, you know, God said to me today that, you know, if, if you've got a need here this morning, then Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. Okay, he doesn't change. We might change. He doesn't change. So his response to you is going to be the same as his response to this poor guy with the dropsy. So Jesus answers them and um, he, he, he goes right to the, to the heart of the matter. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, he says. They didn't have an answer. They just, their hearts are just not in the same place as his. So Jesus takes the man and he heals him. And I really like this because a lot of healing accounts in the New Testament, we hear, your faith has made you well. Rise up and walk or whatever. Or um, what is it you want me to do for you? He says to the blind man. But this poor guy who's almost like a stooge who's been put here because he's sick to make a point to try and, for gain for the Pharisees, to try and catch Jesus out. I think Jesus was probably a bit cross that this man in his condition was used in this way. And he just, it just says, he heals him. (laughs) He heals him and sends him home. So he's got, the man's probably skipping off down the street, I should think. Woohoo! Yeah. So Jesus then deals with the Pharisees. And I think he deals with them so graciously. If you think about all these laws I've just mentioned... You know, I mean, 
you could get, if you were God, you could get a little bit cross that someone's taken what you meant for good and turned it into this complete and utter burden for um, these, these people. Jesus says stronger words in other places, doesn't he, about it. But it says he answered them, and he said to them, which of you, having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit, will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? And um, I just felt God was saying here, in fact, I heard this on a sermon once, so I can't take it that this was my great idea, um, but it was this preacher's great idea. And what he said was, is that when you fall sick, it's like falling into a pit, okay? You can't get yourself out of a pit, can you? You can't climb out of a, a deep pit with steep walls, but we've got someone who can get us out of any pit, any pit. And, you know, we had that wonderful word of knowledge earlier, didn't we? That it needn't be sickness. It can be an addiction. It can be something that you just can't break yourself. But, you know, our great God and Saviour loves us enough to, to reach down into any pit and pull us out. So Jesus says to the Pharisees, he appeals to their compassion. He says, look, guys, you know, you would use compassion for a donkey or an ox. So why not a person? You know, it's just like they totally missed the point. And that's where I'm going next. Because the, David said there's three C's of biblical interpretation recently in one of his sermons. There's covenant, context, and I never remember the last one. Comparison. Okay, you got it on. Second go. Covenant, context, and comparison. So which covenant are we in here today? We're in the old covenant. We're talking to the Pharisees who were part of the old covenant. Does that relate to us? Nope. What's the context? Talking about Pharisees healing on the Sabbath. Does it relate to us directly? Nope. But the Bible says that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for doctrine and reproof and training in righteousness. So there's something here for us, even though it's not directly Jesus isn't directly talking to you and me today through this scripture. He's not talking to us about all these funny laws and things that the Pharisees had. And what I want to explore today is the whole reason, uh, that, that, uh, an important dimension of this, is that the Pharisees, because they were so hung up on the law, it's like they couldn't see the real God behind the law. They couldn't see the loveliness of God in instituting the Sabbath, for instance, taking care of people, giving them a day of rest. So their hardened hearts, because they were so hung up on something, meant they missed the whole nature of God. And in fact, they so were so hung up, they missed the fact God was standing in front of them. God himself in the flesh, doing all these amazing things, was just going right over their heads because... They had just like a different agenda. And I think that's something that we can think about too, because we've all been through different experiences. We've all perhaps been to religious churches. I know I grew up in a very religious church. We've all had things happen to us in life. We've all had knocks and disappointments. And sometimes they might not be religious traditions, but they can actually twist slightly our perception of God and our understanding of God. So I just want to look at the Apostle Paul, <clears throat> because he was a Pharisee. What did he do about it? 
because he came up through this strong religious tradition. In fact, in, in Philippians 3, he describes the fact that he was like a Pharisee of all Pharisees. You know, he did all the letter of the law just perfectly. If it was righteousness by the law, yes, he's your man. He did it all. But he then goes on to say that having met Jesus, he counts it all, and he uses a naughty word, dung, poop. Yeah, so think of poop. That's what he thinks of the law and keeping the law. And he goes on to say just one verse from Philippians 3. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. I just want to take the first phrase there. I want to know Christ. And that word know is a really, really intimate word. It's the word that is used to describe the physical relationship between a man and a woman in marriage. So it's that very intimate, personal knowing of one and another. That's what he wants. He wants to know Christ in that way. And that, I think, is what God is calling all of us to today. I think that's sort of underpinning one of the main points of this sermon is for God is calling us all into a deeper, deeper walk and understanding of him and his nature. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So how do we do this? <laughs> Practical stuff. So one of the things is it's a very, a very Holy Ghost thing, this, because if we go to Ephesians 1, Paul actually prays for the Ephesians, doesn't he? And he says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you might know the hope of your calling and the riches of the glorious inheritance that you have in the saints and his in incredibly great power for us who believe. Now, all of that comes through praying and then the Holy Ghost getting on board with our heart's desires. It's a bit like Tracy said earlier, if you really, really want it, God will meet your need. If you're only like half-heartedly wanting it, then you'll be struggling, okay? But what God's calling us to today is to really, really want him in a deep and personal way. And when, we, when our hearts are hungry like that, he will reach us whatever age we are, old or young, God knows our hearts and we can't change our hearts, can we? You know, we can't pretend that we really want him and we don't really. He knows. So if you really, really want him today or you're at that point where you would like to be in a position where you really, really want him, God can deal with both those things. So another way we can help ourselves in this process of getting to understand who he is and getting that intimacy with him is obviously through his word. And um, there's a couple of scriptures just to draw attention to. In Ephesians 5, it says, he washes us with the water of his word. So I don't know about you, but I just love having a bath. You know, if I've had a really rough day or I've been in the garden or, you know, sometimes I have to get in my pond to clean it out. I mean, the first place I go is I just say to Dave, I'm having a bath. You know, and that could take a while, you know. And it's just, so, I mean, I just thank God for water quite often, actually. You know, it just, I just love, you know, getting in a shower, getting in the bath. I think I'm a half amphibian, yeah. Um, but anyway, what I'm saying is there is a, the powerful analogy here of water cleansing us is what the word does. Isn't that amazing? So the word just cleanses us in, every, in some way. And I think it links a bit with um, 
the renewing of our minds in Romans 12, that when we, when we read the word of God, it cleanses and renews our minds and washes away some of this sort of debris that accumulates in all of our minds because of experience, because of stuff that goes on in our lives. You know, we've all got it. And we just need to keep washing and cleansing ourselves, just like I do with my bath. And then what I want to do, just to, I'm bringing this to a close now. I've only got a couple more slides. I want to have a sort of practical exercise today about how to look at a passage in the Bible. And I don't know, I mean, you know, apologies to those of you that know all this already, but there'll be some people here, perhaps some of our younger people who, who, who haven't ever done this before, and it's, it's quite useful to know how to do it. So I picked a scripture that unpacks the character and nature of God quite nicely, and it's from the Old Testament. So God is really good, even in the Old Testament. It's one of my favourite Psalms, Psalm 103. I've plucked out verse 8 here, and it says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. So if you need a revelation of who God is today, this is a good verse to start with. So I've picked out some words, and you know, I don't know if any of you have got apps on your phone with the Bible on, but I, I quite find that quite useful and portable because you can do it anywhere. But I've got one where you can click on the word and then a little window opens up and it tells you the Strong's. Is anybody with me here today? Yeah, okay. If you haven't got that, there's, app, there's free apps out there with, with that facility, but you don't have to have a big book. When we were first married, we were given Strong's Concordance and um, we had one of those it had to be strong. And in fact, we had, a, we had a flat with sash windows, and it was a very damp flat. We had the window open all the time, trying to keep the humidity down. And we used to use the Strong's Concordance, because the sash was broken, to wedge the window open. <laughs> Sorry, James, if you're listening to this, gave us the Strong's Concordance. Um, yeah, anyway, moving swiftly on. I just say that these concordances are really useful because they unpack the detail of the word. So let's do that together today. Look at this word compassion. The Lord, or you could say, my Lord, my God, is compassionate towards me. And when you look at that word, it says, to touch with love, to be merciful towards. So just let that water just sit with you. Don't rush on. Just let it sit with you a moment. The word in the Strong's actually is fondle, which isn't a word we would normally use in, in, in our English um, language, would, but it, it's, a, it's a very tender word, isn't it? It's the idea of touching with love. And so God really did a sort of, a, a, a highlighted this for me when I was preparing, because I think God wants to touch us with love this morning. He does want to reach down and touch each one of us with love. Okay, so just be open to receive that. And he's merciful. He's merciful. Isn't that wonderful? He's not sort of there. I used to think he was like with a checklist because mine's quite long each day. <laughs> you know, but he's not like that. So the Lord is compassionate and he wants to touch us with love. And then the word gracious, that's the idea of someone superior stooping down in kindness to have pity upon and to show favour to. So that just sums God up. He, he doesn't need to be like that with us, but he is. He is so gracious. He stoops down to have pity upon us. And this one, he's slow to anger. I mean, you know, when we're, then we mess up. Well, we have got a bad habit. We've all got them. We've all got habits, haven't we, that we're not proud of. But, you know, he's slow to anger. That means he's patient 
He's patient. He's long-suffering. This is the God we're talking about. This is the God the Pharisees just had no idea. They had no idea this was God. They were totally hung up in externals. But, you know, I'm inviting us today to just get past whatever things are, are blocking our relationship with God. And this is his heart. And this is Jesus, isn't it? I mean, Jesus is God walking in the flesh. Everything Jesus did, he said, I do this because the God, the Father, tells me to do it. And then abounding, plentiful, abundance. That's a word that's synonymous with God, isn't it? Abundance. Superabounding is one of the expressions in the New Testament. And he's superabounding in love. Some translations say kindness. He shows great grace. The word in Hebrews has said, and it's the grace word in the Old Testament. He shows favor to people. He's really kind to them. He's forgiving. Wow. So you can personalize all that. Or write it on a little post-it. Stick it on your fridge. Stick it on your mirror in the morning as you clean your teeth. Yeah? That's what the word of God's got to be like that for us. Because I don't know about you, but I forget. I just forget that he loves me this much. He's this gracious with me. Perhaps it's just me. Okay, so the title of this message was given by Mark prophetically. <laughs> Law, not love. Lo- no, the other way around. Sorry. <laughs> Absolutely. Love, not law. Sorry, folks. Took my glasses off and now I can't read my words. Love, not law. And the reason for that is because God is love. Um, yeah. So what we're going to do in this last section now is we're going to remember that he is the God of love and uh, he wants to do great things here today. All right, so I'm going to open it up because we've had words of knowledge already. And in fact, we've had another word of knowledge um, when we were praying this morning. And it was um, the idea that someone here or someone online, um, it could be someone in school, actually, it's appropriate for that, is getting bullied. And as I say, it happens to adults and children. And, you know, God wants you to know that those people don't hate you, okay? They know that... In the spiritual realm, there's a whole battle going on, isn't there? The unseen realm that we don't see. And there's people, uh, there's spirits in that realm that are using other people to get at you. Okay, so it's, it's just part of being a Christian, unfortunately. We're in a spiritual battle, but it's not personal. And those people don't hate you. You know, if you relate to that word today, that, you know, you're being bullied and you just like prayer, then there'll be an opportunity to come up in a minute and have prayer or... There's the whole body of Christ sitting around you. Just get, grab someone next to you or just talk to God directly. What I want to do is I want to invite the musicians to come up and just pray, play quietly for us. And I just want to invite all the rest of us to just, just take to heart the real, message of this, uh, the real message of this word this morning. And that is that God wants to know us intimately. And he's inviting each one of us to come deeper with him. And so if if that resonates with you this morning, just spend a few moments just talking to him about that. And um, as as the musicians play, and then feel free to sort of quietly migrate into the coffee area and get some refreshment. If you would like to come forward for um, for prayer, for healing, I have got some anointing oil if you want to call the elders of the church to pray over you for healing. 
Um, God want, God's not finished with us yet, but obviously this might not be for everyone. So as I say, migrate out and enjoy your coffee and, and time of chat. So... <laughs> I came to church with a migraine. I thought I was going to throw up on the way to church. Um, I was doing teas and coffee, so I thought, I actually have got to get to church somehow. I felt so, so ill. I'd had migraines for over 50 years. I got prayed for several times. It hasn't come back. I really thought I was going to go home, go to bed, take the strongest migraine tablets I have at home, and finally get to work. No migraines since, and so many triggers in the last month for migraines. Not one since. So thank you, Jesus. Praise God.